Hi guys, welcome to a surprise edition of Adult Happy Hour. Welcome everyone. Before we jump into our episode, just want to say a quick word. I am not a sex therapist or a sex educator. I am simply someone who enjoys talking about all things sensuality, eroticism, uh, sexual pleasure, and sexual health. These are messy conversations about sex um, that are necessary in order for us to ensure that we are defining what pleasure means to us. Um, And as this is our first season, we welcome feedback, especially as it pushes us to be more inclusive. In the future, I hope to be able to provide you with a plethora of resources and to have guests on the show who are experts in these topics. We appreciate your patience with us in advance. Okay, so tonight's episode or today, whatever time you're listening to this, um, is going to be a little bit different. We're breaking from uh, tradition and we have collected uh, questions from our online community Um, And you all had some really, really great questions, uh, both about my personal experience um, and some advice that you may have wanted. And so I'm going to take some time in this episode to answer those questions and hopefully to give out that advice. Um, Yeah. So we have the benefit of not only having like an awesome uh, community of listeners to our podcast, but having an online community on Instagram that I've been talking about all season. And on Instagram, I posted a question sticker and just asked people to respond and let us know what they wanted to know more about. Um, And we had over 200 uh, responses. So I'm probably not going to be able to answer all of the questions that you guys had, but I've organized them by categories and I'm going to just start by getting into them. Um, so for this first part, I'm going to just take some time to answer some of the personal questions that you guys had for me about my experiences, my fantasies, my likes, etc. Um, and so the first question was, will you be getting into a uh, personal storytelling as the podcast goes on? And the answer to that is absolutely yes. We're about to get into that right now. Um, In season two, I look forward to sharing more of my personal narratives and stories with you guys. But in season one, we really wanted to focus on knowledge building and information sharing. Um, So more of my personal stories to come. Next question. um, What's on your sexy time playlist? So uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I love music, all things music. And I I have multiple playlists, actually, for my sexy time. Um, 
the first thing that comes to mind, this is so weird, but Genuine So Anxious was like my very first sexy time song that I got really into. I actually thought that like when I lost my virginity, that would be the song that I lost my virginity to. Unfortunately, there was no music playing, but you know, a girl can dream. <laughs> I also weirdly like Twista, Get It Wet is like a song that whenever it comes on, I'm like ready. Like I grew up in the 2000s. So that whole like era had a lot of songs like that that you could get into. I'm looking at my phone right now. So I have I have a playlist called Big Booty Celebration. <laughs> and that is for, um, you know, when you just want to twerk and really just get on top of somebody and bounce it, shake it, drop it, put them on them, put it on them. <laughs> And then I have another one called Reverse Cowgirl. I, I think that that one is self-explanatory. <laughs> but uh, one of the songs on there is Beyonce Dance For You. And then um, I have another playlist called Get Her Wet. <laughs> and that one has just a whole bunch of like... Uh, the 20s like R&B so one of my favorite songs and like somebody could eat me out to the song on repeat and I'm probably gonna come multiple times is <laughs> Frozen by Sabrina Claudio I don't I don't really love Sabrina Claudio because you know she she's done a lot but um I think that this particular song I'm always keep with me because it has resulted in many of my orgasms. So if you are interested in listening to any of my playlists, they're both on Spotify and Apple Music. So if you connect with me that way, um, you can see some of the other songs that are on there. Um, next, someone asks, do you have any kinks? And if so, what are they? Um, if you listen to the episode on kinks, I think that was episode two, I have a philosophy that everyone has kinks and I am a part of everyone, so yes, I do. Um, I think through the process of kink exploration, I've realized that I'm 100% like a baby girl sub. <laughs> so I love, I'm into glamour, I'm into being cute, I'm into being angelic, and then like take that aesthetic and just be like, nasty as fuck in the bedroom. <laughs> so I talked a little bit about my rhinestone restraints. Um, I just got these like really amazing lace gloves from um, Savage Fenty um, that are just like so cute and demure, but I love to like jerk people off with them. <laughs> and then um, I think another, I think I'm like really into voyeurism and exhibitionism. So I like having like a mirrored ceiling or a mirror next to the bed where we can like watch each other um, when we're getting nasty is really sexy to me. Um, doing things in places that like are just on the cusp of getting caught is also really hot. And then um, I think my last kink is pussy worship. And again, if you listen to episode number five, you will find out how into pussy worship I, I am. <laughs> um, I'm sure there are others. I'm still exploring my kinks, but uh, yeah, I think everyone has them. So next question says, what is a fantasy that you want to make a reality? And um, 
I've been honestly lately thinking a lot about group sex. So I've only, I've been I've had um one threesome which uh <laughs> I will oh I yeah, I have some questions about threesomes, but I've had one threesome that was with two guys and they were essentially having a competition about who could like eat me out better and I didn't end up having sex with either of them, but that was really hot because I love being eaten out. So it was cool to have the two-on-one action. But um, I've never been in like a group setting where there's like a vibe amongst more than like, you know, two or three people. And I, I don't know. I'm like really interested in pushing myself into that. I think that it probably will cultivate another level of like vulnerability and um, like sensuality for me. Um, but I think that in order to try that, I, I, I want to try being with like a group of women first um, before I just go, you know, all, all willy nilly out there. I did go to a sex club one time. Um, I went with my cousin, which I don't suggest going. I mean, me and my cousin are dope like friends, but it's just, you know, it's still my cousin. I don't really want her seeing me having sex with people, but it was the most awkward experience because we went to the sex club on booty night, um, expecting there to be, you know, people with big booties there. And it ended up being a lot of like, um, middle-aged, uh, like white couples and, you know, no shade to white people, but, you know, I do, I like to have a little bit more diversity in the crowds that I hang out in. And so I, I definitely was looking forward to having more of that and uh, didn't really find anyone that I was attracted to. So I left like rather swiftly. So y'all put, put some good juju in the air for me that one day I'll get to have my group sex fantasy. Um, someone said, so if you've never done anal, is there a stigma or blockage you're experiencing? And I'm happy to report that since recording that episode, I think that was episode one or episode two of Adult Happy Hour, I have started to experiment with anal. So, uh, I've had my ass eaten at this time and I've had um, fingers in there. I've tried anal plugs. Um, I still am not quite ready to have someone put their penis or like a strap in my ass just yet, but I think like I have a bad experience with that that I'm still overcoming. So I would say that that like was the blockage. No stigma. Um, maybe stigma for some of my past partners. But um, for me, the blockage was I had this really intense experience where someone just went fully in without any lubrication and um, it like caused me to bleed. So ever since then, I've been like, no, <laughs> Rihanna's like wincing in the studio because, yeah, that shit was hella painful. <laughs> it was so painful. So it kind of turned me off to trying anal, but I'm overcoming it. I'm getting there. All right. Um, someone said, what is your favorite form of intimacy, physical and non-physical? And 
you know, I, I'm so happy you asked me this question because we talk a lot about like sex and philosophies around sensuality, but I'm looking forward to talking more about intimacy as a concept, like moving forward, um, because it's one that I think uh, is is like often felt and not intentionally like cultivated in uh, relationships and connections. Um, so like, yeah, I love kissing. Like if I kiss you for the first time and I have that feeling of home and safety and butterflies and just like all of those feelings, like I already know that it's going to be a vibe when we have sex or when we continue like messing around with each other. And I like in my younger years, I would like go out to the club and get drunk and make out with people. And I think I I would have to get drunk to like experience that kind of intimacy. But now as um, an older, more like experienced person, I realize that I just really enjoy kissing and I really like crave um, that experience of having a first kiss with someone. It's like a really exciting thing that makes you feel so giddy and like youthful. Um, so I would say physical, that's one of my favorite forms of intimacy. And then non-physical, honestly, I would say like pillow talk. Like I love to get inside people's minds to see how they think, to know and understand like how they've become who they are. And I love conversation that feels like coffee that just like rejuvenates you and keeps you up for hours. Um, and if I can get lost in conversation with you, that's also a really good like green flag for me um, that a relationship is going to be really meaningful. The next question someone asked is, would you date someone who didn't eat pussy? And we just go and keep it simple, short and sweet. My answer is no. And I'm not, I don't, if I was talking to them, I wouldn't even explain why. It's just, there's a maturity, there's an intimacy blockage. For me, that's like one of the best ways that I come. So you are not committed to my pleasure if that's not something that you want to do. And you know what? You could be a great person, but it's not for me. So the answer to that is no. Um, and then another person, okay, this is my last question from personal experiences, said, have you ever explored your male partner's G-spot? If so, what was it like? Um, and my answer to that would be yes. I think that goes back to the anal <laughs> question as well. But yes, I have explored my male partner's G-spot. Um, and it was, honestly, it was a really great experience. Like we had a conversation about, um, like what would make him feel comfortable, what felt good. We had a conversation about like, you know, things that could happen or go wrong and how we would like deal with them if those things happened or went wrong. And, um, fortunately nothing bad happened. And, um, he really enjoyed his experience and um, we have continued to experiment in that regard. And um, it's kind of opened up a new like level of pleasure and exploration 
in my relationships that I'm um, excited to continue exploring more. Oh, that makes me think about this. I think one of my other kinks is helping other people to get deep into their kinks. So like I may not be into something like ass worship or like a foot fetish or um I am into restraints. That's another kink I have. But whatever whatever my partner's kink is, like however I can help them facilitate that get super deep into it, get really excited about it, that gives me pleasure and like turns me on as well. So um, if I'm with a male partner who like wants that type of exploration, then I'm down. Let's do it. So next you guys had questions for me regarding one of my favorite topics, masturbation and self-pleasure. Um, we all we did do an episode, we did two episodes actually on self-pleasure and just, you know, going deep into the definition. But um I wanna, yeah, I wanna answer your questions. So someone said, how do you get yourself ready mentally to self-pleasure? <laughs> Um, that's a good question. So I, sometimes I have a self-pleasure routine that involves like meditation and hydration. So usually what I try to do like in the morning or before I um, meditate is drink at least 16 to eight ounces, uh, eight to 16 ounces of water. And then um, I'll meditate. I'll do probably like a guided meditation or like a sound bowl meditation. And then (laughs) for some reason, that just leads me into wanting to uh, like self-pleasure. So sometimes that looks like me like, you know, fingering myself or using like a toy. But sometimes my self-pleasure might take the form of like, you know, dancing in the mirror or like recording myself doing salsa and samba, the things that like feel really good in my body. But whatever, whatever it is that I'm doing, there's like some ritual around connecting with pleasure in my body and and finding the source of, of it in my body and spending time just being in that. So um, meditate, hydrate, manifest y'all. Um, Next, someone said, when masturbating, what are ways people mix it up and keep things interesting? And um, I was actually just doing some uh, research on tantric sex practices. And one of the like biggest mi- misconceptions about ta- tantra is that um, it's just for sex. But tantra actually explores like a whole bunch of different um, layers of pleasure. And so one of them is like your individual self-pleasure. So I think that something that could be helpful if people are trying to mix it up and keep it interesting is just exploring things like Tantra and Kama Sutra and trying out new positions that you might be able to get into for self-pleasure. Um, and, you know, seeing what different types of touches feel good to your body. So thinking about... Um, like whether or not you're using toys, um, whether or not you're using fingers, switching those up from time to time, thinking about the type of stimulation, whether it's a vibrating or like a sucking simulation that you're, um, really into that could work. And then 
Porn is like a really loaded topic that I think in season two we'll spend some more time talking about it because it can have both its positive and negative things. But, you know, I might also think about like, you know, getting into getting deeper into your kinks on um, Pornhub and just seeing like, you know, what videos are out there and how can you mix things up and keep it interesting with what's like inspiring you. Maybe even think about your fantasies too and think about how you can um, start to like flesh out a fantasy that feels newer that might be exciting as well. Um, Advice to people getting over stigma that masturbation is evil slash (sighs) wrong. Yeah, I think for me, I was a late masturbator. I started masturbating when I was like 21. Um, and it was partly because, you know, in church I was taught that that was not something that was of God and that wasn't like my um, my duty and my role with sex and like celibacy was an abstinence were always really like things that people would uphold in the church that I went to. So (laughs) I actually remember when I started masturbating, I used to like, I used to think about like, you know, like people watching, like people looking down on me, like God or Jesus, like watching me and feeling shame. And I would feel shame um, doing it. And it took me a really long, I laugh about it now, but it took me a really long time to like overcome that. And so I think first, thing is like trying to unpack where that stigma comes from for you. So for me, it was from what I learned um, in organized religion. And for you, it might be another stigma. That's the root cause of it. But really getting to the root of why that stigma is there and then working to like unpack that. And then I think also another thing that could be helpful is just exploring other theories about masturbation. So in other spiritual practices and other religions, uh, masturbation is seen as like a really powerful tool for connecting with your womb or your sacral chakra for growing your um, your individual like sexual practices and having a positive uh, relationship with sex with yourself before other people. So just thinking about like what other theories and concepts might exist that you can connect to that help you. Um, after you've gotten at the root to continue reminding yourself that like it's okay and it's natural um, to be curious and to want to spend that kind of time with yourself and it doesn't have to be um, shameful. Um, How many times do you masturbate a day? (laughs) So uh, this question really depends on the day to be honest. Like my libido my libido can be really high sometimes. And if I am excited about a partner, if I'm excited about my body and feeling sexy, like I can masturbate six times a day. And that can be a little bit much for me (laughs) because um, it can kind of, you know, cause me to need more stimulation to continue like getting it. But um, yeah, it can be, it can be a lot. Um, there's also times where I may be like building it into my routine as like a part of my celibacy if I'm trying not to have sex with other people and trying to be really present in my body. I literally will like do that routine where I drink water, then I meditate, then I masturbate. 
then I write down my intentions for the day with my clear head. So um, both both of my heads being clear. So I think that there there are those instances. And then, you know, to be honest with you right now, I'm in a season where my libido is really low and I'm not feeling um, as sexual um, or enticed by sex as I have been previously. And um, I'm still masturbating once a day. No, I'm kidding. I'm not. But I'm probably doing it like a few times a week. But um, it all depends. It's an ebb and flow. Okay, the next uh, set of questions are about sensuality. And um, there were a few questions on my sensual practice or my sensual philosophies. And so one thing I want to know is just that um, your se- in, in my opinion, your sensuality is different than your sexuality. Um, and your sensuality often is like, you know, just thinking about how you like experience the world through your five senses. And um, like when you're really in touch with your sensuality, you can think about what about that exploration and interaction within the world through those senses like brings and gives you pleasure, which may manifest through sex sex of, uh, you know, any kind, but also doesn't have to be limited to that definition. So the first question someone asked me is, what forms of dance can I do to help get in touch with my sensual side? Uh, and I love this question because also if you follow me on Instagram, you know I'm a dancer. And um, so I guess I'll tell you guys a little bit about like my background as a dancer. But I started dancing when I was four years old. I started with um, hula, actually, and then went to ballet um, modern hip hop cheerleading, and then um, took a little break from because I was doing a lot of performance and like competitive dancing, um, and then got into um, African diasporic dances. And so I started with uh, salsa, and then actually I started with bomba, which is an Afro Puerto Rican um, style of dance that. Uh, is just like so cool because the dancer is the one who like leads the procession like they sort of lead and guide the musicians and it it flips that like paradigm where the music sets the tone and you dance like and move to it on its head um and that led me into doing things like salsa samba rumba um afroche um and a whole host of other uh, dance styles. And so um, one of the things that I have learned from like shifting my dance practice from the competition and like performance of it all to these more African diasporic dances is just like, yeah, being able to explore my sensuality um, through dance. And I would say that uh, different dance styles have different embodiment of sensuality. So for example, in samba, like, you know, when you're learning to dance, it's a very like hippie dance. <laughs> like you're you're learning to move your feet fast, but also your hips at the same time. And there can be a lot of ass shaking that happens as a result of that. My ass got so much bigger when I started dancing samba. But um, 
the other thing you learn is like when when you're dancing and you're interacting with another dancer, you um you know give a slight smile. You might give them eyes or raise your eyebrows or wink at them. If you're dancing for a crowd, you'll do the same thing. And there's sort of this like flirtatious nature about it, but it's not like a sexual flirtation. It's more of it's just more of like you know, oh yeah, you see me dancing. You see, you see what I'm doing. I, I look cute. It's more like that. So, I think that, um, like, that has helped me to sort of de- decolonize the idea of sexuality from dance. And um, yeah, in salsa, I would say it's much more about the smoothness and like the power. Like in salsa, um, I've had to learn how to follow. And so um, uh, usually the male partner or like a partner who's decided to lead, like they're the ones who determine like the turn patterns, et cetera. But the really beautiful thing about doing a hand dance like that is that you have to learn how to connect with many partners very quickly in order to feel like and anticipate what their next move is going to be. Because if you're not in connection with them and if you're not anticipating and listening to their body language, then you might hurt yourself. You might get your arm a little twisted up. You might punch them in the face on accident and you won't be able to really accent the music the way you want to if you're not, you know, eye to eye and connecting hand to hand as well. So that's taught me how to, um, in a sense, like submit, but like with a lot of power, with just like this deep empathy and um, anticipation of my partner and where they're pulling their power from when we're dancing. So um, those are some things that I've learned about my sensuality um, in dance. I think um, also another piece of that is like a lot of the dances that I'm doing are not based in white Eurocentric ideas of, of what dance is. And so there's like a spiritual component to the sensuality that has also been really powerful for me. But I would say that any dances where you can, where you like feel your power, where you feel a sense of ownership and embodiment in your movement is going to be a really good practice for you. Um, And there are such things as like somatic uh, movement courses and things where literally the purpose is just to find where it feels pleasurable in your body and to move slowly and, and sensually and to stand in front of yourself in the mirror and be like, yes, I'm a badass bitch. So I would, I would consider um, looking into somatic movement and it's something that I want to do an episode on, um, hopefully in season two, but, uh, yeah, yes. Thank you for that question. All right. Um, next someone said ways to explore your own emerging sensuality when you don't feel safe enough with your partner to do so. Oh man, that, that honestly is really tough. Um, cause my first like thing that comes to my mind is like, you know, why, why don't you feel safe enough with your partner? And so I think like, you know, getting at the root again of like, what is behind that feeling? Why are you not feeling safe? Um, Is that like, 
a relationship that you want to be in or that you need to be in. And and if it is, like, you know, if you're married, you know sometimes that you're um, – or if you've been in a long-term relationship, you know sometimes that safety can, like, um, change and shift and get stronger and weaker in different seasons with your partner. Um, and so maybe you're in a season with your particular partner where – your sensual practice is really about owning and owning that emerging sensuality for yourself and not thinking so much about them. And so that can manifest in different ways of you exploring it on your own or maybe, you know, having a little bit of defiance. I definitely um, went through a season like that with my husband where I had to like continuously remind him that I was like expanding and changing and deepening. And I made him read um, Audre Lorde, uh, Uses of the Erotic. And um, I, yeah, and that was like a really difficult season for us because I think it was hard for him to see me changing so much. Um, but I would just think about why it is that you're not feeling safe and where can you really take ownership um, without your partner's influence and then hopefully like you having that strength and relationship within yourself can translate over into the sensuality that you experience um with your partner um last question says any advice for trying to feel sexy in what is a larger aging imperfect not stereotypically sexy body and uh I think, first of all, like, let's talk about what does stereotypically sexy mean? Because I think if we talked about the stereotype of sexy, what we see in the news media, what we see online, et cetera, it's probably going to be thin, white, maybe blonde, blue eyes, like all of these descriptors do not describe me like at all. And so... um, I think one, recognizing that the construct, oh, and young as well. Um, And so recognizing that the construct of um, the stereotype of sexy, like most of us don't fit into that. Even when we do fit into that, we're like most of us are trying to fit into that. So how can we take back the image of what it means to be sexy? How can we think about our, our own authenticity, our own um, vulnerability, our own imperfections, how can we see those things as sexy? And, um, I think like one, of, one of the best quotes I've heard is from Sandra Cisneros, who is one of my favorite poets. And she said, my sense of aliveness deepens with age. And I think that to me, sexiness can be about just like being deeply alive, being on fire, being passionate, being excited about life or, and also just simply being deeply. And so, you know, how can you like capture the, that imagery of yourself and of other people that really inspires you? Um, and think about like, you know, who you're, who you're following on Instagram, think about like what you're seeing on TV. And if those images are not inspiring you and not making you feel good about yourself, then fucking change that and make sure that you're like, you know, curating an aesthetic in your life that speaks to like 
who you are and seeing yourself as sexy and seeing more representation of what sexy um, can look like until you like are able to recognize that. I think another thing too that's been really powerful for me, well, two things, um, sensual selfies. So, you know, taking those naked or partially naked pictures of myself and finding my angles and feeling myself and just the process of that has helped me to realize that I am I am sexy and then affirmations are also really powerful. So a lot of my affirmations are not like, you a bad bitch, you sexy, you just that. It's more like, you know, like right now my my affirmation is bodies are temporary, souls are ethereal. And so I'm just constantly reminding myself that my body is always going to be changing and that that is the beauty of it. And that I'm often like, another reason I came up with bodies are temporary is because I'm often looking back at pictures of myself when I felt most insecure and thinking, I was actually like hella cute then, or wow, I wish I would have appreciated my body more, my, um, you know, how I looked more and what I was exuding from the inside outside more then. And so reminding myself that bodies are temporary is helping me to like bring presence to now and appreciate and have gratitude for what my body is right now as it's changing so much um, every day. Um, there was a lot of advice in there, but I hope I hope you wrote it down. And um, yeah, fuck fuck stereotypically sexy. That's not sexy. What's sexy is your authenticity, your imperfections, your your everything about you is sexy. We all have a sexy, and once you tap into it, um, nobody could stop you. So let's talk about some advice. Y'all had some salacious questions that you asked me in uh, this little Instagram sticker. Some of these questions was long too, but it's okay. I love y'all. Um, all right, let's just let's just get right into it. Someone said, "What advice would you give someone who wanted to get into bondage slash BDSM, but their partner isn't really dominant?" So I think, first of all, I'm assuming that you would like to be submissive and you would like your partner to be dominant. And I would just, I think I would just clarify with yourself first, like, you know, are you, are you wanting to explore that relationship within BDSM? Are you wanting to be the submissive and wanting a dominant partner? Are you willing to switch and do like either or? Because one, if you have a partner that you feel really, um, like safe and comfortable with or like a regular partner that you're with, um, it might actually be fun to try like being both being switches um, and both trying out those dominant and submissive roles and seeing like, you know, which one sticks or if both of them do. When I was getting into um, role playing, like that was something that um, I did with my regular partner that uh, really helped. And what I found was you know, there's certain things I need to like be submissive. And when I can be submissive, it's like really fucking exciting and sexy. But I, there's also a dom in there too. And that bitch will tell you exactly what she wants and what she needs you to do and where you need to be and what she's going to do to you. Um, and that is fun as well. <laughs> so one, just clarify, you know, 
the roles that you would like to explore. You might also even like clarify the kinks that you want to explore too, because um, you may find that like with restraints or with like um, choking or things like that, like you play different roles. So like, for example, with restraints, I'm willing to switch. I'm willing to like both be the dom and the sub, but with um, choking, I don't like that shit. I do not like being choked, but I will choke the shit out of someone who likes it. (laughs) And I will tell them what I need them to do and not do while I'm choking them. And that shit turns me on, but please don't choke me. I don't like it. Um, so yeah, so explore those relationships a little bit more and explore the toys, um, and the lingerie and the leather of it all. Do that. Um, then advice for, so if you're, if you're really wanting to like try being dominated, um, Honestly, I think you really just got to talk to your partner. Like, if you want to keep them, because <laughs> I'm known to throw a whole partner away if I'm not into it. But if you want to keep this partner and you want them to try being more dominant, um, maybe have that conversation with them and tell them that that's something that you really want from them. And then maybe you guys go to the sex store together and see what type of bondage and toys excite them, you know, when it comes to being dominant. There's like, you can do a little tickle feather, you could do a paddle. There's like so many different like things that that someone could try. Maybe it's just about like finding the right tool that unlocks the domination for them. (laughs) It sounds very like Mortal Kombat, like unlock domination. Okay. Um, another person said, how do I get my partner to want a threesome? <laughs> Y'all trying to convince your partners to do everything. Maybe you need new partners. No, I'm just kidding. If you want to keep the partner. Um, uh, I think, again, conversation um, is important. I think, again, the, I, I feel like some of the barriers with having a threesome can be like jealousy or not wanting to, um, not wanting to be with like a specific like person, you know, like I know a lot, there's a lot of guys who want to have threesomes with two girls, but would not be willing to have a threesome with two guys. And I have a hard boundary with that. Like if you want me to have a threesome with two girls, you better be down for there to be another dude in you when we having a threesome. If not, then I'm not with it. But um, that's just fairness and equality, in my opinion. <laughs> so so I would, I would think, like, you know, if your partner is not super excited about the idea, like, what is it? If it's jealousy, you might want to think about the before and after care of it. Because I, I do actually know a few people who have ruined um, relationships with their, like, primary partner or committed partner through having a threesome um, because they didn't, you know, like have the right conversations before the thing happened. So maybe just sit down and talk about like what the person's boundaries are, what they are excited about, the role that they want to play, 
Um, and like be respectful of that when finding your unicorn um, with your threesome. And then, you know, maybe also think about asking them like what would make them excited to have a threesome and think about like, you know, maybe compromise, give them some of that first so that, you know, the the threesome that you're seeking and excited about like can happen too. Um, someone said, should you cut off your fuck buddy if the sex is good, but the meetups are only on his terms? Uh, yes and no. So, okay. So I think uh, a relationship only on one person's terms is never healthy in my opinion, because both people should be able to have terms and be able to have boundaries even if you just fucking, and if one of that person's terms and boundaries is that yours are not going to be respected, then I say hold it, throw the whole partner away. But um, if like since you're in a like a fuck buddy relationship, I also think I'm also thinking about like you know when it is on his terms. Like, are you always submitting to those terms? Like, is he getting used to you always saying yes or always coming? And then when it's his turn to return that energy, he's not showing up, well, then maybe um, you need to say no sometimes. Maybe, you know, you need to say, like, I'm busy, even if you're not, even if you're sitting at home eating ice cream and um, really wanting some dick, like, just to, <laughs> just to, like, show him, like, hey, it's not just going to be on your terms. I am busy. I do have things to do, et cetera. Um, I think a conversation could also be like helpful if you guys have that kind of relationship just to say like, hey, I'm noticing that when I want some dick, like you're not available, but you expect me to be available. So how can we, how can we do this so that like this works for both of us? Some people don't like to like, like have those kind of conversations with fuck buddies, but I am an over communicator and like, I know that I will be dissatisfied in a relationship if I'm feeling like my needs are not being met and things are only on the other person's terms. So if you're bothered by that, have the conversation. And if he can't get with it, then it might be time to find a new fuck buddy or have a rotation of fuck buddies that could work too. Um, are men immature if they think it's gross to have sex with a woman during her period. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So here's my thing with this. Um, some people have not gotten their red wings yet. And so they don't know that it's not that scary, but I will say, um, like, Sometimes my periods are really heavy and I don't want to have sex on my period because it's just a lot. And sometimes I'm really horny and I don't give a fuck. But I would say, okay, so immature, if they think it's gross, yeah, like periods are not gross. It's something that our bodies do every month and you wouldn't be born if (laughs) your mom didn't have her period. So I think there's that but I don't think it I don't think it's like I don't like condemn that person because maybe you know they have a thing about blood or maybe they're just not into it IDK but you know if 
it's not pleasing for you or if you feel like you're not, again, getting your needs met because you want to fuck when you're on your period, then this might be another situation where a conversation is required or, um, I don't know, a toy or throwing the person away. No, don't throw them away. I don't know. I, I'd be interested to hear what other people think about this too because I'm torn on this one. How do you cut ties with someone when you like the sex and the company? I'm going to put this question back on you. Why would you cut ties with someone when you like their company and you enjoy having sex with them? I I mean, I don't know. I think sometimes we um like we can we can want to cut ties with people when we're like in um those low commitment kind of relationships when we we're actually craving more commitment from that person. <laughs> and so one, I'm thinking like, if you're enjoying yourself, like why do you want to give that up? And if it's because you want more, then why are you not willing to have that conversation about wanting more from that person? And if it's and if you want to cut ties with them because there's something like toxic about your relationship, then um, you're just going to have to have the resolve to say like, this sex is good and this company might be great, but I like, this isn't good for me right now. I was actually, you know, what's so interesting. I was actually in a position like that recently where I had found someone that, um, I just really enjoyed being around and we had great sexual chemistry and a really intimate connection, but it just kind of got to a point where like something was off, the energy was just off, and I decided to take um, space from that person, which resulted in him ending our relationship. And um, it was hard and it was sad, but I think in the long run, like it left a door open for later because we didn't ruin the connection that we had by trying to force things that just were not flowing for us. And um, it also gave me the opportunity to have some clarity about the entire relationship and what I wanted and how it was shifting. And so, um, you know, yeah, that's my advice. All right. <laughs> Another question says, dick so long it, it scares me. What position can I get into so it won't kill me? Ooh. <laughs> well, um, okay. I have a few suggestions. One is there's a few positions if you look at Tantra and uh, the Kama Sutra where um, I'm thinking specifically about like laying down and inserting from the back. So it kind of prevents the whole entire penis from even being able to go there, go like all the way in anyway, um, which is kind of hot because then as you're like having sex, like there's a certain part of the penis that's being stimulated and you're not taking the whole entire thing, like maybe thinking about the kind of positions that uh, you're taking it from. Um, I once had a partner who 
this man had like a horse penis. It was so fucking huge. It was just long and it was thick and it was scary. And I tried to ride him and I sat on it and I could only get it halfway in before my body was like, we don't have any more space in here for that monster. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it wasn't a monster. It was actually a really beautiful penis. I was really sad. But um, like that probably is not a good position because they're like the point of it is like super deep insertion. So yeah, look at the Kama Sutra, look at Tantra, see if there are other positions um, that sort of limit the access. Um, And then I do honestly think that there's such a thing as like a dick just being too long for your pussy. For example, that penis I was really excited about that I tried to sit on. We tried in multiple different positions and it just didn't work. So I had to I had to say goodbye to him. We're still friends. Um, we just know that our bodies do not, cannot do that fully in a way that's pleasurable for both of us. <laughs> um, how do you set the scene with a boo thing if you are meeting in a new city? Oh my gosh. I love this question. Um, <laughs> Because I've so I realized recently that creating an experience for me with my lovers is something that I get really into, and I lean very heavily into the five senses. Um, so I'm gonna go through the five senses and talk about what I <laughs> what I do. So the first thing is taste. Um, I might think about some like yummy flavored lube that you could use, and I love I love flavored lube for like sucking dick because um it just gives it this like if you find one you really like it gives it this flavor that almost like makes you want to suck it like a popsicle or like a lollipop or even putting it on their chest or on their fingers or whatever the case may be where you could really just be like "Mm," as you look it up that was nasty oh my god but hey that's what it'd be like sometimes. So yeah, just something that makes you want to lick it all up off of them. Um, for smell, so I would pick like a signature scent and just drench yourself in it. So when I was when I was a young person, when I was like 19, one of my best friends um was a stripper and uh strippers, if you've never been to a strip club, you should know that the they smell bomb. Like you can smell, you could, when a stripper walks by you, it's just like, Ooh, yummy. Let me smell, let me smell all of that. And so she taught me this trick where you buy, um, Bath and Body Works is really good. Or what's the other one? Body something is Bath and Body Works. And then body, they have the little like circular containers, body, the body shop is the other one. Okay. So Bath and Body Works and the body shop. You buy the soap, you buy the lotion, and you buy the spray. And you use all three of them. Don't overuse them. Just use them like you normally would. But it just gives you this, like, essence. Like, every time I do this routine, I'll get into, like, an Uber or something, and and the driver will be like, oh, my God, you smell so good. And, uh, yeah, that's the trick. So pick your signature smell. And stick to that because, like, also every time that person, like, senses that smell or gets a faint of it from somewhere else, they just go and be thinking about having sex with you. And I think that that's really hot. So there's that. Another thing that um, works well is, like, a scented candle. Um, Like, you know, 
again, Bath and Body Works, they need to sponsor this episode, but Bath and Body Works has this champagne toast candle that just is so yummy and it just fills the air with scent. My husband and I lit a whole bunch of them on our honeymoon. And so every single time I smell that scent now, I think of just this like amazing, awesome night of intimacy we had together after like, you know, getting married. Um, But yeah, pick your signature scent and just engulf them in it. Um, For see and touch, okay, here's something that I did um, (laughs) that I do sometimes when I have like a new partner. So if you have some lingerie, tell your partner to close their eyes. Bonus points if you like tie them up and blindfold. No, don't tie them up. Blindfold them. And, um, let them hold like a few pieces of lingerie in their hands and, and have them pick the one that feels the best to them. So when this like, helps to build a lot of anticipation because like like they're touching this thing that is so soft and tactile and all they're thinking about is having sex with you. And then it also like builds up this fantasy in their mind of like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to take this shit off my eyes so I could finally see her in this soft thing and touch her and then take it off of her um, or him. Her or him. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Once they choose, put that thing on and and let them take that blindfold off. Um, and be excited. And then for sound, I have um, make a playlist and put songs on it that make you think of them. Um, and so that could be like, you know, if it's like someone you're, you have like that intimacy, that like relationship with, it could be more soft and sweet and, or like if you have songs that you have listened to together or artists that you guys are both into, it'll just be like a really thoughtful gesture. And if it's just somebody, you know, that you fucking and having a great night with, and you have a lot of sexual energy, like put songs on there that help you to manifest that energy for yourself. And also like maybe have connections to conversations that y'all have had or like similar interests that you guys share with uh, one another. Um, (laughs) I made a whole fucking list for you. (laughs) I hope you like it. (laughs) Um, But I hope also that you and your boo thing have fun in this new city. That sounds exciting. Um... Role playing, what are the best scenarios for shy beginners? Uh, that's a good question. Um, well, I would say ideally you like take some time to explore your kinks and identify like what those are. So whatever um things get you really excited about having sex, like you can lean into those if you're feeling shy because the more comfortable and excited you feel with the exploration of role playing the better um i think i think really easy role playing would be to go to like the bdsm and looking at the dominant and submissive like bringing toys into the bedroom i think sometimes when people think of role playing they think of like I'm going to play like a sexy teacher, which creeps me out a little bit because I am a teacher and I, anyway, but whatever, that's what people do sometimes. Or people want to do like a nurse or like a flight attendant, but like, 
I don't know if you've never been any of those things. Like it might not be natural for you to think of like what to say next. So um, maybe just starting with like thinking about toys you want to experiment with and thinking about um, like the dominant and submissive roles and whether or not you're like a bratty sub like me. Like (laughs) in my bratty sub, oh, I had this uh, partner who used to call me his angel and I would just like bat my eyelashes at him. And it just like, I don't know, there was something about it that was just like so innocent and cute and like it made me want to be like submissive to him. Um, And we also got into like dick worship and like, I don't know, it was really beautiful. So yeah, I would just think about those type of role playing scenarios versus like, you are going to play this role and you're going to do this. No, like find toys that excite you and experiment with like being a, being dominant or being submissive. Um, Advice for turning mundane routine sex into passionate, erotic, and blissful. Um, Well, role-playing, everything I just said about role-playing, I think could apply here. But I also, I also think um, if you have like a regular partner that you've been with for a while, sometimes you can get into a routine of having sex or thinking that you know how to please one another. So uh, something I might try would be, um, and I'll talk about this more on our episode about Tantra, but try like doing activities where you have to like abstain from touching each other. Like maybe you just like lay down and stare into each other's eyes and just like set a five minute timer and just stare like right into each other's pupils. And like it could be so intense like to remember that type of connection that you have with someone that you just really can't wait to get their clothes off after you've done something like that. Um, You might also try like sitting um, on top of each other or sitting on one person sitting on top of the other and being just fully wrapped around them with their body and just tracing your fingertips um, with their skin and just like rebuilding that like passionate connection that you have with one another that's not just about the routine of having sex. And then um, I said role playing already, but thinking about how you might like explore. So if you, you know, are having a lot of missionary sex or whatever, or even like one person on top and one person on the bottom, like maybe it's time to get like a sex calendar or some sex dice and toss them bitches around and let them put you in new positions that you haven't tried. Or if, um, if you, you find yourself doing like the same sexual acts over and over, then maybe it's time to start thinking about experimenting with some new things like anal or pegging or, worship in some sense of the like facet of that word um, in an exciting way. Maybe you need to sit down and have a conversation about your fantasies and talk about how they changed and what porn you're watching or what things are getting you excited, like when you're doing individual play with yourself. So uh, play with yourself. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are some of the suggestions that I have. Um, just breaking out of that routine. And that is my last question of advice. So we're going to go into our deeper 
Um, it literally just says like, let's get deep, <laughs> which can be taken in so many different ways, but let's get deep y'all. <laughs> First question, how do you practice communicating your sexual needs? Um, you know, I think what is helpful for me is I write them down first. I sit with myself first. I think it's always great to sit with ourselves first and I write them down. And then I think about like, if I don't want to say everything that's on there, like what's the most important information that I need to communicate with the partner. Um, I also like, I was recently reflecting on, um, a relationship that I, I ended, um, in the last, like, few days. And part of the reason I ended it is because I was having a blockage of communicating my needs to the person. And I realized that that's like a red flag enough for me. So like, I would also think about like, you know, how comfortable do you feel in communicating your sexual needs with a particular person and let that guy like also guide the conversation that you need to have with them or like, you know, how much you want to be engaged in that relationship. And then, um, so yeah, so start, always start at the root. And then I would start by writing them down. And then um, I would just, you know, ask that person to make space for the conversation. I think sometimes um, we can jump into having conversations or like bring things up like this at times where the other person like maybe isn't receptive or like ready to hear it. Um, but think about how you're creating that space for the, the conversation around your needs. So whether that's like, Hey, later on tonight, I've been thinking just about like boundaries and needs as it relates to sex. Like, can we have a conversation about this? So that way that like they're going into it already with the mindset of knowing what the conversation is about and they can start thinking about their own sexual needs, desires, and boundaries as well. So just, um, thinking about how comfortable you feel with that person, writing it down, and then making um, space for that conversation to happen. That's my advice. Um, someone said, I want deeper and darker conversation. How do you overcome sexual trauma? How do you begin to trust a new partner after sexual trauma? And how does one come back to finding sexual pleasure after the worst has happened in sex? Um, really appreciate this question uh, because I am someone who um, has experienced sexual trauma in my life. So I'm down for deeper, darker topics and hope to talk about them more. Um, I think going back to the episode that we had on consent and boundaries, just being really clear like with yourself uh, after something like that has happened about what consent can look like, sound like, feel like for you is super important. But I think um, from my personal experience, um, talking to a licensed sex therapist or counselor who can help you navigate healing triggers and trauma is really important. Um, I don't know that I would have like been able to come out on a healthy side of uh, where I was <laughs> Um, if I did not have a, an amazing therapist who, um, like, is constantly um, just holding space for me to have conversations with her around healing triggers and trauma and normalizing a lot of things that happen uh, through the grief and acceptance process for me, um, and knowing that you don't have to go through go through that alone 
um, I think is really important. The second thing is just, so I talked a lot about enthusiastic consent on the episode about consent. Um, and that's because for me as a young person, I had many situations where I felt coerced or unable to say no. Um, and so learning that my yes shouldn't be like an okay or an I guess, but it should be a full body. Yes, I want this. Um, that really helped me with my healing journey, but I'm also learning that there are other, um, there are other, uh, types of consent, like embodied consent, thinking about how your body feels in the moment, paying attention to your breathing, um, because you may not be enthusiastic or excited, but you may still be down and want to like continue on. Um, and so bringing that awareness and presence to your body like could be super helpful um, for you. There is um, there is someone who uh, on Instagram who does amazing um, workshops and information sharing around the different types of consent. Um, and I'm forgetting their name right now, but I'll put their name in the, I'll put their name in their at in the show notes so that, um, if you want to explore that more, you can find them. And then, um, I think the third thing is finding partners who can communicate, who you can communicate with regarding boundaries and who demonstrate empathy, um, for your space. So like, you know, I needed after, the worst had happened. I really needed to be with people who were willing to be sensitive, to take things slow, who were willing to respect my no when it was a no, like unequivocally. Um, and so like that took for me first, uh, like taking some time to myself and then, um, and then finding, the partners who like finding those partners who made me feel safe. So paying attention to both green flags and red flags, because usually if there's a red flag in communication um, or like in any sort of boundaries before even getting to the bedroom, like for me in the sensitive space that I was in, I wasn't willing to like entertain um, those partners. Last, um, something that worked for me was celibacy. So I said sitting with myself in stillness. And um, for me, celibacy, the first, the first, when I did it after sexual trauma was about reframing my worthiness um, because I felt like really worthless and um, invalidated and like someone could just treat me so poorly um, afterward. I found myself in a lot of situations where I kept allowing people to treat me that way. And so celibacy allowed me to realize the full power of my sensuality and the sexual relationship with myself first. And to also like just completely take sex out of the mix of things and to have connections with people that were just about being people. Um, that was really powerful for me. And then um, celibacy helped me to deepen my sensual self-pleasure and um, like to understand it beyond sexual gratification. So I wasn't necessarily like masturbating or or doing any of those kinds of things, but I was really just being in my body and understanding how my body could give me pleasure outside of sexual gratification. I found that to be really empowering as well. Um, but always down for deeper, darker conversation because I think that those conversations are especially taboo 
when it comes to sex. And a lot of us have experienced sexual trauma. And I, I even think there's collective sexual trauma that we experience through not being able to talk as openly about these things. So looking forward to having more of those kinds of conversations as well um, as our seasons hopefully progress into and beyond. All right, guys. That is going to bring us to the end of our episode, and we're going to close out with some celebrations. Um, So I think, but actually, before I read these celebrations and these last questions, um, one, I want to say thank you to Rihanna. Simone, you guys don't hear her often, but she is here with me every single time. She's throwing up gang signs right now, y'all. She's here with me every single time. I'm in, I mean, she's a sound engineer, so she sets all this wonderful things up so you can hear me and hear my voice. And uh, what you don't get to hear is that we be in here having hella conversations about all these different topics. And so a lot of her thinking and a lot of her questions end up being a part of like inherently what I say on the podcast. So just want to send her some love, send her some shine. And Rihanna, can you do you mind? Come on, get on the mic real quick and just be like. <laughs> oh, wait, before I pass the mic. Okay, so I guess what I would love, just like say hello to people, but also like just talk about your experience a little bit with the podcast and like what you're looking forward to. Um, Cause you gonna be with me. I'm I'm trying to keep her forever, y'all. Forever. I'm trying to keep her, but I'm gonna pass the mic to her. <laughs> oh shit. No, it's okay. We can cut all this out. Right. None of this will even be there. It won't even be there. <laughs> or leave it, cause you know. Oh right. You're right. You're right. Yes, but what's up, y'all? It's Rihanna. It has been so dope recording this podcast. Like, we be in here having a straight kiki, y'all. And I'm just really looking forward to what's next and doing group discussions and bringing guest speakers on and just really exploring more topics that need to be talked about. You know, I feel like a lot of the topics that you have touched on have been really important and necessary. You know, so I think moving forward, this is really going to be a beautiful platform to explore these ideas and these things that people kind of consider taboo, you know, but they're not, you know, because we're human and we all are going through life and experiencing things. And I think it's really important to be transparent about that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's been a pleasure. And season two is going to be off the hook, y'all. Just get ready. Get ready. Be ready because it's going to be lit. Um, so Rihanna got a sexy ass voice. In addition to being a, a wonderful creator, I call her my sister in creativity. Um, but uh, Rihanna also brings a lot of experience as well. That's a, that's different than mine, but pushes me a lot. So one day we're going to get her mic'd up. <laughs> She's going to be on here too. But uh, we're working on it. We're working on that. All right. <laughs> um, also want to say to you guys, uh, this has been such a phenomenal journey to think that like this is something that started on accident in my Instagram stories. And because so many people asked for it, like we've been able to create this podcast, this storytelling, this um, sharing, this discussion. And every week y'all send me notes and 
things that just like sometimes honestly have me in tears and and sometimes have me so excited for you because I realize that you're like getting your orgasm, you're learning about yourself and I'm I'm learning alongside you. Like I started this because there I have my own stigma, my own trauma um, associated with um, sex and sensuality. And it's just been so beautiful to be in community with you. So I, I just want to say thank you so much for giving your giving us your time, giving us your support, sharing with your aunties um, and cousins and best friends and your lovers. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you. All right, let me read some of these celebrations. So celebrations and and other things. Somebody said, I would love a sexual story time on the podcast at least once per season. (laughs) Done. Let's do it. Okay. Moving forward, we'll have, we'll have some story time. I got to figure out the logistics of it, but, um, I'm down to read some sexy stories (laughs) and who knows, maybe we'll invite some other sexy voices back to read some of these stories too. Uh, somebody said you and adult happy hour have helped, have really helped me discover my sensuality and need for exploration. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. See, this is what I mean. I appreciate that so much. Um, I'm on this journey with you. So, uh, thank you for being in community with us. Someone said, I want to celebrate the fact that I came last night Yes, I love to hear it. I love that so many people reach out to tell me that they've squirted, that they came, that they bought a new toy. Please continue to tell me those things because it gives me motivation to continue doing this. Um, Another person said, your voice is like honey dripping sweet bliss. (laughs) Thank you. You didn't see my tongue came out, but my tongue came out. (laughs) I'm nasty, y'all. Just don't mind me. Um, We have two questions. Uh, Favorite part of podcasting? (sighs) Honestly, I think my favorite part of podcasting is like the vibes that are in the studio, like, cause we be, we really be in here vibing. And um, (laughs) I think sometimes that, that like really comes across in the episodes and y'all like tell me about my giggle and like you don't realize that there's other people here that are kikiing with me sometimes and it's usually Rihanna mostly that I'm in here giggling with but uh I'm glad I'm glad that that comes across and it it is something that makes this podcast like really fun to uh record <laughs> and then somebody said what's a topic you didn't get to cover in season 1 but want to talk about in season 2 Definitely Tantra. I've talked about that a lot tonight. It's been heavy on my mind. I've been doing research. I've been practicing stuff, (laughs) y'all. And so that's something that we'll definitely cover. I really wanted to talk about anal and exploring anal, um, but I just felt like it's season one. Let's like, you know, let's hold some back for season two. So that's definitely going to be a topic next time. Um, another, I think I also wanted to do more storytelling of other people's stories. So this season we had some people call in, which was really wonderful. Next season, I'm, uh, lining up right now guests to come in and to sit with us and talk about, um, different topics. I think it's really important to hear other people's voices and perspectives because we all are so different from each other. And so now that you're familiar with me and like what I'm into, I'm excited to bring more people in and talk to them. 
Um, so yeah, looking forward to season two. I think the other thing is like the theme of the first season that really came through was about pleasure and different facets of pleasure. And I think in season two, we're going to, um, think more about like inquiry and exploration. And so I'm also excited about exploring these like bigger umbrella topics through different things that we may have already touched on. Um, but just maybe thinking about it in a different light. And then um, last but not least, somebody said, can't wait to see the creativity that continues to flow. Same. And I appreciate you guys for tuning in. That's a wrap. Oh, it's a wrap, y'all, on season one of Adult Happy Hour. Thanks for tuning in. Before we go, want to give a few shout outs. First off, shout out to our sponsor, Fly Culture. Fly Culture is a platform for creatives securing dope spaces for hard conversation and liberation. Shout out to Rihanna Simone, our engineer, editor, and producer, and my sister in creativity. Last but not least, our theme song, Natural Phenomenon, also produced by Rihanna Simone, featuring the incredible voice of Tim Brielle. You can listen to the full track wherever you listen to your music. Um, and if you want to find, follow, and support us, you can find links to our email, website, and Instagram in the description for our episode. Thank you so much.